I want to take a quick second to promote a business that's a friend of the podcast and also a person who runs it as a friend of mine, and that is Sick Little Creations. So you can find it on Redbubble. There's amazing uh, stuff on there. You can find artwork, stickers, um, some clothing, a bunch of other stuff. Find it on redbubble.com. You can also uh, find more of her work at Pinterest. Be sure to check that out. It's really amazing work. So any at any time you have, you need to get a gift for someone. Like I know we're, you likely just missed Mother's Day, but still you do have, you do have Father's Day coming up. There's still birthdays. There are a variety of other holidays that you can go for. So definitely be sure to check that out. And that's the Sick Little Creations. And you can find that on Redbubble and also be sure to follow her on Pinterest as well. Hi everybody, this is Matt Kirby and welcome to a brand new episode of Group in Harmony, the podcast all about music. Today we have a topic I'm really excited about for the podcast and that is related to not only a little bit of music industry but also something related to booking artists. It's a topic I find really exciting, and I cannot wait to talk about it. Before I get into that, my typical shameless plug. I have a Facebook page called Group in Harmony. Give that a like. You get any updates about the podcast and about my music blog, Feeling Groupy. So I've been doing my uh, uh, 2021 fictional festival series. Uh, be on the lookout for one coming out in the next couple days for that one. Um, I got a bit bogged down the last week, so I didn't get the chance to release one last week, but this, in the next couple days, there should be one that's a metal festival coming out, and then I have a few more ready that I'm going to be releasing uh, in the coming weeks after that. I also have a separate Facebook page for my basketball blog, Is Baller Trademarked Yet? At, so as of t- uh, time of recording, which is Monday evening, I am cl- I'm getting close to finishing up a post that I've been pushing off for a bit, which is, uh, my, uh, which is like a memorial for Bill Russell. So be, uh, be on the lookout for that. I have a bunch of other posts that are going to be coming out that I'm really excited for. Um, I, so in the next few weeks, there should be a bunch. So be on the lookout for those. Now, before we actually get into the topic that I really am really, really, really excited about, I have a few things related to news that I wish that I sh- uh, do want to discuss. The first one of these being uh, the fa- uh, being Pantera's reunion. I meant to discuss this in my last episode. I recorded the episode, posted it, and realized I never discussed this. So Pantera recently has uh, announced that they are going to be reun- reuniting. Sort of. So um, the for the reunion, the... Um, so they have uh, Rex Brown and Philip Anselmo that are reuniting. But then... Um, there are other members who aren't able to reunite because they've passed away, including Dimebag, uh, Dimebag Daryl and Vinnie Paul. Uh, so, the Abbott brothers. So, um, in, so what's interesting in that case is that uh, they are still reuniting, and they, in, the, in lieu of them, they have... Uh, to, uh, Zach Wilde and Charlie uh, Benante, uh, who are going to be joining them. So, Zach Wilde, the lead guitarist, known for uh, being a lead guitarist for uh, one of the lead guitarists for Ozzy Osbourne, and then also for being the lead guitarist and vocalist for Black Label Society. And then Benante, known for being uh, the drummer of Anthrax. So, I, I, and so far it's, the response has been pretty polarizing to say the least. The biggest reason for this dispute is because 
a lot there are a lot of fans being like well it's not it's not really Pantera without those members but the the thing with this is that there are some interesting things in that regard legally and legally what it comes down to in that case is who owns the rights to the names and it's often comes down to whether it's one member of the group who owns them or the entire group who does so uh it, there and there have been several cases in uh uh, with bands that have been in fights for who owns the rights to the bands. I know in particular there, I've read different things about some, uh, there's been a few different, uh, European metal bands who the members have been into legal disputes because separate members were trying to form their own groups with the same name. Uh, so then there was the dispute of who even owns the rights to the names. So, but if we look at certain groups who either are active or have reunited, because I imagine some people would say, well, why don't you do Pantera in a different name? Well, if you look at, like, for instance, Sublime with Rome, the reason that they were Sublime with Rome is because Bradley Noel owned the rights to, or was the sole owner of the rights to, uh, to the name Sublime. It wasn't the member, other members of the band, so when he passed away, he left it to his estate, and then, uh, when the original member, when the other members of the group wanted to form Sublime, reform Sublime, they had to get the blessing from the Noel estate, which they didn't grant them. So they instead went with Sublime with Rome. Say, so, uh, so, um, whereas, like, for instance, bands like Soundgarden and Linkin Park, after their lead vocalists had passed away, the band still had the decision of whether they would continue or uh whether they would break up and in each of those cases the it was split among the band members so like for instance Soundgarden ultimately they decided to um not continue the band after uh Chris Cornell passed whereas Linkin Park they said they would remain active but so far they have most of their releases have been either uh re-releases or uh special releases of early recordings so but they, but I mean, both cases, the members of the band owned, but all the, it wasn't just one member who passed away who owned the rights to the band. And in general, I am in favor of artists continuing, uh, continuing their career because having to rebrand is something that's so difficult. And, uh, I mean, in this case with Pantera, I'll be totally honest, I'm not that big of a Pantera fan. Um, like in terms of like more groove metal kind of music, I'm never gotten that into groove metal. So I, I'm just not, so I mean for me in terms of like more than just uh, like just seeing what's going on with it, I'm not as invested in it. I can see why fans are frustrated, but for me, I'm, I'm in favor of people continuing their career, so I personally don't have an issue with that, really. Now, uh, there are a couple, a couple deaths of uh, well-known people within music since the last episode, uh, since I recorded the last episode, I should say. Uh, the first one we'll mention is Lamont Dozier. He was a uh, singer, songwriter, and producer for uh, the legendary, uh, or more so songwriter and producer rather than not as much singer, but uh, he was legendary member of uh, the songwriting production group uh, Holland Dozier Holland. Uh, he, uh, he was involved with writing a lot of massive hits. Uh, Inclu including 14 number one hits. Uh, and uh, he was one of the, one of the essential, uh, or they, they were essential in writing and producing the Motown sound. And really, I mean, I think a lot of 60s music in particular would be vastly different uh had 
they not done the work that they did. They, um, they had done songs for Martha and the Vandals, uh, Marvin Gaye, the Supremes, um, the Marvelettes, uh, Uh, the Isley Brothers, Four Tops, um, several others, uh, Dan Warwick, a bunch, a bunch of artists. So, um, he really was an important member of that, of that group and really was an important member of really shaping, uh, shaping musical history. The other individual that I want to mention is uh, Olivia Newton-John. She passed away on the same day. Both of them passed away August 8th. Uh, of course, she probably is most known for uh, uh, for being a star in Greece. But at the same time, she uh, she performed uh she performed several massive hits, uh, two number one albums, uh, f uh, five number one, five number one hit singles, a bunch of massive hits. Um, she, uh, she really was immensely popular throughout the, throughout the seventies and eighties. Uh, there really was a time period that with singles, it, um, it was especially in like, especially in the mid, mid to late seventies, and early eighties, where it felt like that was like she releases something and it was going to be a smash hit. So, uh, rest in peace to both of them. They absolutely had massive impacts in music in their own respective ways. And another um, another news thing that I do want to mention is that uh. On it's related to uh, Rage Against the Machine. Now, uh, they postponed they postponed their tour um, and might have even canceled it. I'm not 100% sure uh, because vocalist Zach De La Rocha um, had been dealing with an injury. It's been finally revealed what that said injury was. A torn Achilles. So he was still performing on a torn Achilles, which just blows my mind. Uh, he was sitting, but um, so he, uh, so like he had canceled the they canceled the European part of the tour, um, but still, I mean that's just insane to me. The fact that uh, he they they were still performing, he was still performing on uh, a torn Achilles. Basically, he injured, came out a little, went off stage for a bit. Came back on stage, sat down in a chair, and continued performing. I'm I can't imagine it. I think it's absolutely insane. I mean, I, I mean, <laughs> that that's just wow. I just blows my mind the fact that he was able to do that. And um, the last thing that I do want to mention is that um, on the day of recording today, I'm gonna be re I won't be releasing this today, but on uh, so when I say today, August fifteenth. On set on his thirty seventh birthday, or what would have been the thirty seventh birthday, it was uh, Nipsey Hussle was given a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame posthumously. Uh, his star was unveiled today, so um, I get, I think that's why. Wow, I mean, he is incredible. He really is both as a performer and also um, as an individual really influenced so many people. And really did try to help out his community also. So I think that I, I I think that's amazing that he got one honestly. Now the topic that I would like to discuss today is a little bit of an unusual one, and I am really excited to discuss this topic. And really, what I thought would be interesting to discuss would be, um what kind of artists people should book for different things. Now, in for in general, I I find it I 
find it a bit not as exciting to say, like, for instance, uh, like, just for a general venue who they should book, because, of course, that depends on the size of the venue, and in terms of, like, style, if a venue is known for bringing in certain artists stylistically, then typically you're, typically then you probably should book those artists, but, I mean, or if there's a certain region that a certain style of music is most popular, then maybe focusing on that style of music would be better. So I don't find that part as exciting. What I really wanted to discuss is something I find a little bit more exciting, which is what style of music should schools book for, for instance, or colleges in particular. Uh, and I mean, you could also say, what about festivals? Uh, I will discuss that one as well. But the one that I really want to focus on is schools. And now, before I actually get into the actual booking of this, or discussing this topic, I do want to discuss, like, my background with this a little bit. So when I was in college, my freshman year, I was involved in organizing the spring concert. I mostly focused on promotion for it, but I did get a bit of an idea about, um, about the whole process of actually booking things, preparing for the concert, all these other things, and, like, got a little bit of insight into what actually goes on with booking an act. So, and I also got, like, a little bit of an idea with prices at that point in time. Now, with this one, I, the way that I'm going to be doing this is I'm not going to be revealing what price an artist is expected to make for these shows, and the, a couple reasons. First off, I don't want to do, I, well, this podcast probably isn't big enough to do this. I don't want to dictate the market, and also, a lot of the times these prices being booked are an estimate. So, like, I mean, for instance, um, there were multiple, uh, there are multiple examples of artists who ended up being, costing more than what you'd expect because other, because either companies or schools are competing again, are competing against each other. Um, and then sometimes an artist can cost less. And, um, I'll get into some examples of that for both of those a little bit later. Um, and the, in general, I'm going to be discussing with the schools, I'm going to be discussing things using one site, which I won't be revealing the site name. Um, the biggest reason being that I don't want, in part, actually, that's two reasons. The lesser reason is because I don't want to officially endorse um, this this site that I, and this company, when there are several companies out there doing this kind of stuff, I don't want to necessarily endorse one of them or one company or another. Um, but the other bigger reason is because I don't want, if there are, for instance, anybody who is really curious about what a school will book, and then I don't want them to get annoyed being like, well, why didn't they book this act? Why did they book this act? When really there's a lot behind the scenes with that in terms of not only booking the act, but also even getting the funding from the university in order to do that. I will be using one site when I'm referencing certain things. Um, and uh, before we even get into all that, I would actually just, I think it would be a little bit fun to discuss uh, the, because there are two instant two concerts where I know a little bit of a little bit of background background behind being booked when I was at Quinnipiac University in Hampton, Connecticut. Uh, and um, what, uh, one of them was the, for the fall and spring of my freshman year. Just a couple stories that I find interesting with that one. So for the fall, uh, the person in charge of it uh, was had uh, there was one act that was big that that was a little bit popular in country music, and they thought, they decided that would be good. In the past, they had always historically done just a normal fall concert. They really wanted to do a country music, a country festival, mini festival kind of thing for the, in lieu of that, um, which I personally think was a really smart decision, um, and I'll get to that more a little bit later in terms of why I think that was, but... Um, they wanted, like, early in the semester, this, like, country festival-like thing, and I, um, 
and they had almost booked one act that uh and they, they were discussing with one act they had come agreed upon with terms to this one act that seemed like they were rising a bit in country music and it had like one song in particular that was a bigger hit in country and then they saw uh they were waiting for a signature from the at that time the um the because this group that the group that put on these concerts for the student programming board board uh svb the they're waiting for the faculty advisor to get back to them waiting for the faculty advisor by the time he gets back to them the band that they had reached out to had absolutely exploded another school offered them a massive amount uh so they couldn't put florida georgia line who crew the remix of cruise had just absolutely exploded at that point so that person really had the foresight to say look i think florida georgia line will be really big in a few months and which was incredible which was incredible foresight um but ultimately they weren't able to book they weren't able to book them because they were waiting on the um the faculty decision i mean the faculty approval who was on vacation wasn't checking his phone and i'm ultimately they got uh they got love and theft which was a big hit um and it was a fun show um i and while i had some reservations about whether to share this story and the next one ultimately i decided it's been eight nine years since these so i figure at this point i think we're okay to discuss these in a little and a little bit of depth, depth, though I still will leave out the dollar amount for each of these. Um, then for the spring concert, uh, that one, so, uh, because typically with universities, you have to get the date in advance from the school. And the same kind of thing with, like, when you're doing a festival or any sort of concert, you have to have the dates. It's like, if you're doing it, booking with the venue, you have to, uh, you have to have the date set in stone. And that's, I've discussed this in the, I think I mentioned this in the past when I, especially when I was talking with Woodstock, how they would, uh, get the acts, they have multiple, I think, um, especially for the, uh, the Woodstock 50, they had booked all these acts without actually getting, uh, the proper permits for the venue, which I've said, I, I, in my opinion, the most important thing for a music festival isn't the artist, is to have the proper, proper paperwork and permits in order to hold the festival. Because if you have, if you're an established, especially if you're an established company that has uh, done work with a lot of artists in the past and clients in the past, you can find people to perform at, if people pull out. That's not a concern. The concern is if you have all these artists, but no venue. So um, we had the date set in stone and the all, all the leaders for SPB were absolutely obsessed with Time Flies at that time. They, uh, that was in, because Time Flies had this like brief time where they were huge online and all, uh, and that, uh, and that was around that time. So they were trying to book them. Time Flies was available every day except for that day. Should that, might, should that have been a red flag at that point? Maybe, but at, admittedly, I don't think that Time Flies was going on, was planning on going on tour anyways. So, uh, that might be why they had so many dates available. Um, I mean, would that have been a... And I've wondered since then, would that be a big hit show? I have no idea, honestly. Because they were really big online, but I don't know... I don't know if the... For the university, just how big they were. Um, then after that... The, uh, then they said, well, you know... Capital Cities just had Safe and Sound, which was this massive hit. Why don't we try Capital Cities? They weren't available that day. They had another show on that day. Uh, then, uh, I'm not sure which of the... There was one of two acts that they tried next. I'm going to say the act that I think was first, but it might have been vice versa for this. Then they reached out to uh, Icona Pop, who was really big at this point. Um, I Love It was still a hit. They, uh, um, they were having pretty successful touring. And t successful tours, they uh, um, they had agreed to terms with this one, hadn't signed the contract. Then another school that will remain anonymous reached out and offered them triple the amount that we were going to offer them. And uh, now I'm just going to say we, in terms of Quinnipiac as a whole, even though I was the one negotiating the prices. Um, 
so then they but they they did reach out to us and say look we did get this amount uh we did get this offer from the school we did want to uh ask you if you uh if you were uh, we did want to allow you the opportunity to match it because you had reached out to us first the issue was that that was bigger than uh SPB's budget for the concert at that time since then the amount has risen um so they are so they have been the school has been able to uh in the years uh in the years after that where it was able to get bigger names uh which is really exciting for the students in my opinion and the group as the organization as a whole um they uh but they weren't able to uh but they weren't able they weren't able to match it at that time so we had to we weren't able to get Icon of Pop. Then, like, there were, like, a couple of acts that, like, they reached out to here and there that were smaller. They were, they tried, like, a couple really small acts, and we're thinking, why don't we just try, maybe, what if we tried, like, maybe doing two acts, like, a co-headliner kind of thing. So they reached out to, um, the group that did You're a Jerk. Um, I'm gonna pull that up here. Um, because I don't remember who did it. Oh, yeah, New Boys. They reached out to New Boys. Uh, turns out that, um, when they, that when they had reached out to them at that time, they apparently had, uh, just broken up. <laughs> um, and, uh, they, uh, they, uh, the interesting thing with that was that, uh, now when, when you get an act to reunite, they can typically jack up the price because, uh, well, um, people are willing to pay more because it's a reunion. So historically, when you do have, uh, um, when you do have, and when you are booking someone to who is reuniting, you do have to pay a lot more for this. So they effectively wanted, uh, when we had asked about a certain amount, I'm not going to reveal the amount. They wanted, I think it was like two and a half times that amount. And at that point, the, the person who was the organizing that one was just like, no, <laughs> it's like, no, we're not going to do that. Um, then they, then there were a few other acts, but a big one, then they, uh, had come to terms with Cruella. It was, they hadn't signed the contracts yet, but it was, but this was when Cruella was really big at one point prior to Rayman being kicked out of the group and the controversy that ensued after that. And they were, like, on top of the world. This was going to be a big deal. Another school that, again, will remain anonymous. Um, though I was... I, what I will say about... The only thing I'll say about this was I was surprised by the amount that they were able to offer them. They came in, and, and this one is one that... Um, it might have been Icona Pop here instead of Cruella, and Cruella might have been the first one here. I think it was Icona Pop first, then Cruella second. They then, um, this school that will remain unnamed reached out and offered quadruple what we had offered. And we could, and they, similar to what happened with Icon Pop, they reached back and said, uh, they re uh, manager reached out and said, Look, since you offer, since you gave us, they were going to reach out first and we came to terms first. But since, and I just want to clarify with both of these, no contract had been signed, so legally they're allowed to do this. Um, and in fact, it actually is a nice thing to come back and ask us if we want to match the offer. Um, they came back and asked if we wanted to match the offer. We couldn't. We didn't have that money. So we had to say no, and they performed at another school that year uh, for quadruple the amount that we were able to offer. At this point, um, the person who was doing that was obviously like freaking out a bit because, I mean, they, uh, they wanted to just get someone booked another way. Out of nowhere, Capital Cities, their manager calls up and says, Hey, originally you had asked us about this date and we couldn't do it. But uh, but this the school we were going to perform at just had to cancel because something came up for them. When we have this date available, we were wondering if you would like to, us to perform that, if they would like the group to perform that day. At that moment, it was like, yes, absolutely. They needed someone. And um, admittedly, um, uh, it... And there were... A, and a, with Capital Cities, it... Uh, there was a um, some things that worked uh, that were nice about that. Some things that uh, the, I know there were. I think the student population was a bit disappointed at first with that one, which makes sense. And I think that because I mean, Safe and Sound, what how, while it had been big, 
it was like on the downward fall at that point when it was announced. And uh, also, I think there was, a, I, I, I personally thought, because they had recently released one single that was getting air, radio play on alternative music charts. Uh, with, I think it was One Second More was the name of the song. I was bullish on that song. I thought it would cross over and be big because it was big on radio airplay charts, but ultimately it didn't wind up happening, wind up happening like that. Um, ultimately, I mean, at that point, though, I think it was for the best to book them just because they wanted someone. Um, but what was nice about that one was originally it was going to be one that involved selling tickets and like a paid concert. But we, fa uh, we found out that uh, ultimately uh, the... Um, there were certain things that we didn't realize were included within the in the booking fee, uh, and to book them, because um, normally when you book someone, you also that doesn't include like the stage, um, the lights, all the whole setup, the opening act, a bunch of other things. With this one, it did, because they were on this specific tour, uh, and while the tour was a pain in the butt to work with, they were uh. It was interesting because they were, uh, they, like, the, what, the, we paid X amount that we were expecting would only cover the band. Well, it wound up covering, also covering the stage, the whole setup, and all the, um, and everything with, uh, um, with the opening act, too. So, because we, ha uh, we had a lot less money than we thought we were going to spend, we were able to make a free concert, which ultimately made a lot more people than would have come otherwise attend, which was really cool also. And uh, then that way, because uh, normally with shows, uh, especially with uh, Equity Back, the way we would do it is like we would have the floor, uh, certain price for the floor, per certain price for the seats. With that one, we were able to just say, look, it's general admission ticket. You can come in and uh, either, uh, you can choose whether you do floor or seats, your call. So, they were able, so people were able to do that, which was really cool. Um, now onto the topic, the actual topic part, and that's really being a. Um, from that, I think I really got into being involved with what, who should you book for these things, and of course, with I'm not going to talk about individual artists, and the reason I'm not going to is because I don't, um, I. Don't, I, because that would really depend on the budget of the school. So, like, for instance, um, like, uh, one that I remember a lot of people would often, comp uh, there would be some people that would complain on, uh, on, like, classes, Facebook pages, being like, uh, come on, Yale booked this artist, how come Quinnipiac booked this one? Because those two are, like, schools that are in proximate area and, from each other. And, I mean, really the answer to that is always, like, Yale has more funding for that than Yale had more funding available that was given to that to their programming board for that concert than uh, than Quinnipiac did. Same thing with like a school like UConn is gonna have, for instance. I'm giving Connecticut schools as an as an example just for proximity's sake, but um, they uh, but like a school like UConn would have a high, I would expect would have a higher budget than definitely Quinnipiac. I would expect probably than Yale too. Um, but that's a but that could be a little bit wacky considering that uh, Yale is a private school whereas UConn's public. But like for instance, if you look at like uh, Southern Connecticut State University, for instance, versus UConn, I would expect UConn to have a higher budget just based on the uh, the funding available with the university and the money as a whole that the each universe, respective university makes. So I'm not going to look at each individual act. Instead, I'm going to look at it by genre. So, for this site that I'm looking at here, um, the way that it breaks it up, they break it up by different, if you want to filter it down by artists, they have a few different uh, categories that you could choose for the, for the genre. Um, and those are rock slash pop slash alternative, rap slash R&B, comedy slash events, EDM, uh, contemporary Christian slash gospel, Country, Speakers, Latin Slash World, Digital Talent, and Parents Weekend Slash Homecoming. And now, I'm going to focus on those genres, um, because without loss of generality, um, like certain other genres, like, for instance, something like 
metal or punk. I know that those would more than likely be grouped under rock. Um, I Those wouldn't be good fits for a university. Um, same thing for like something like progressive rock, um, or like experimental music. Um, stuff like that probably wouldn't be or like classical artists and stuff like that isn't best for a, a university that's not the right target audience so i'm going to focus on those i will break up uh the rock and the pop although that one is uh that one is a bit odd uh to, I mean, not odd it probably is a bit dicier to break up than you might expect at this point just because a lot of alternative and rock is more pop based nowadays and that's just the way it's shaped out um now just looking at those right away the and the one that i mentioned digital talent is interesting actually even before i go into that because that one's a that one was one that wasn't there when i was in school listed on this site so i think that's a good idea um to list that one separately as one um so the ones that I would eliminate immediately for the concert would be speakers because that's not for a concert. Um, the Parents Weekend slash Homecoming, those ones are more either classic rock or like jazz, uh, like older folk artists, stuff like that. That's not the right one for that, that kind of thing. Um, and I'm, and actually before I go on also, I just want to say, I am saying this for universities as a whole in general for what kind of to expect with college students for what kind of music they listen to this can this would differ for different universities uh for instance uh let's say a, a really small school um that's more liberal in uh let's say in like let's say wesley for instance a small pretty liberal school uh might have a different would probably have different tastes than like let's say a massive school like university of alabama for instance those we you'd get two different artists for those two schools but um but in general i'm just saying schools as a whole not focusing on specific artists um so as such i would eliminate the contemporary christian slash gospel unless it is a christian university um and for those ones i would more focus on if it's a private christian university um and even there, I would say, like, even if it's, and I would also differentiate from if it's a Jesuit school, um, whereas, like, for instance, something like Boston College, um, I would say, still, I would probably shy away from that one for the big spring concert, whereas uh, um, a school like, um, I can't even think of the name of the school that I'm trying to think of, um, Yeah, it's not coming to me. There's one in uh, North Carolina that I'm trying to come up with, but I can't think of its name. Um, it's like a private Christian college. Um, that's when I would say, yeah, that makes a lot more sense to book them for that. Um, but in general, I'm going to eliminate from them from those ones. Now, in terms of each of these ones, and also I would say uh, the events I would eliminate for that one. Now, comedy... You could consider, I would actually, um, I wouldn't necessarily recommend that, uh, that one for, uh, in lieu of a concert. Because I think there is a different atmosphere with concerts versus, uh, versus comedy shows. And I think that in, especially with comedy, you, uh, that while there are certain comedians that, like, do just have massive broad appeal since there are a, I think that you still are more likely to have like someone that a college student who maybe does isn't a fan of one musical artist but still decided to go to the show um whereas so uh then someone who isn't a fan of that comedian but then goes to that comedy show you're more likely to have the former than the latter so I would not recommend necessarily a comedian but still I mean for instance I mean there are certain comedians who can, uh, who really do seem to, uh, that are like massive though, uh, like at, at that do kind of cross those kind of lines. Like, I mean, I know I didn't say, I would say particular artists, but an example of that, that I'm referring to is someone like John Mulaney. And now 
the cost of John Mulaney would probably be massive for, uh, I don't know the price of that, but I would imagine that would be massive. So um, that would probably be out of range for a lot of schools. But if it's someone like that who is, who like does kind of cross in, like does have that kind of appeal, then maybe, though I would say in general, probably not. Now, uh, as for the other uh, genres, um, for digital talent, I think it's interesting to book that. I think unless it's a massive name in digital talent, I wouldn't rec actually recommend doing that for the for a show. Now, uh, and, I, and even if it's a massive name, I'm not sure necessarily how that one would, uh, like the how the price would translate. Um, but still, you do have individuals who have been big through digital means, like whether it's podcasters, YouTubers, uh, various streamers, stuff like that, who have been, who have found success doing live shows. So I, I wouldn't eliminate it for sure. I just think that I feel like it's the same kind of thing as comedy. Um, whereas you might not, is that if you do get that, you do have to wonder, will you get too niche of a crowd? Uh, or maybe not too niche of a crowd, but like specific niche crowd with depending on who you book. Uh, so that's why I would say I would personally stick with the, um, try sticking with a musical artist in that regard. Um, for Latin slash world, it's interesting because there are a lot of Latin artists who have found success in particular, and a lot of them, there are some Latin pop artists who have found success, a lot of them are reggaeton. So in that case, I would say reggaeton is worth considering, um, uh, but I mean, in that case, um, I think, I don't think that a lot of, I, but I do wonder with the price of like booking them, especially because now, um, a lot of the acts that you would book, they can't, a lot of these artists can get massive, uh, returns for, uh, for like doing like bigger venues. So, um, that's also, uh, something that you have to combat with, uh, battle with when you're doing these. Um, but yeah, I would say definitely that could be one in consideration. Now, uh, for rock music, so, uh, we'll group alternative in here also. Um, I would, for a college, um, um, I would actually recommend not doing that, which is crazy because I'm like a, I love rock music and alternative music. The reason I would recommend not doing that is because a lot of rock artists, um, really, they, uh, um, well, they, uh, they, the cost of rock artists tend to be si uh, sizable enough for, uh, uh, for concerts, and I mean, that's a big part of that is because that's how they get their, that's how they get their money through live shows, um, but still, um, especially with the artists who do have a reputation for being booked by festivals, even if, like, they don't have a ton of hits, even if it's not a headlining act, like you, uh, like you, those acts can surprisingly cost a, a decent amount, more than you might expect for that for a uh, university. So, because I mean, even like, a, like for instance, you look at an act like the when we had, when we had booked uh, Capital Cities or Quinnipiac, um, that one, I mean, like, a, that one would have, uh, considering they had one hit and were, they were sought after by a lot of schools and uh, festivals at that point. So it was really surprised to see them being booked, uh, or to see, it, I mean, an outsider might be surprised to see the price that we booked them for, but I mean, realistically, I mean, like, you consider someone like MGMT, who was, uh, touring, like, similar-sized venues, but, um, probably a little bit bigger than what Capital Cities was touring, and MGMT, they were, their price was, like, double or triple it, 
so at that time. So it's uh, so that's why I would say that, and especially for colleges, I don't know that it's necessarily the that's necessarily worth the price to do that for college students when it's when there's a lot of college students who will not necessarily know who the act is. Now for pop artists, that one's a risky one. And I know that might be, you might think, well, pop, that, well, yeah, I mean, those, those artists do tend to be popular. Um, kind of why it's called pop music. But, especially around college campuses, but still, it's really risky because the price, it's kind of, it's, you just see something kind of similar with a lot of alternative groups, where it's like once you have one, uh, when you have one big hit, you you reach a certain price, uh, price a threshold, which is kind of what happened with Capital Cities. They had one, we had Safe and Sound, which was a massive hit. They reached one threshold in the price, um, and then once you have two hits, then it rises substantially, um, sometimes doubles or more, and then uh, and then once you have three hits, then it's re a really expensive price often um, in comparison. So um, I think that's the thing with pop artists. You really have to book them if you want them, for a lot of places, if you want them at an affordable price, you really have to book them early and bank on them having a massive hit. Which, uh, fun story, fun, a little fun story with that. Um, before I was a student at Quinnipiac, uh, the person who uh, was the one that was in uh, the one that was booking that uh, the artist for the festival and the head of that group within SPV, she uh, she took a chance on someone and uh, it wound up being a massive success. She took a she took a chance on Kesha as TikTok was starting to become big, and then it that song absolutely exploded. She ended up being a huge name, and the show so the concert sold out. So I, I mean, in that case, that's one that really works out well. But I mean, even like with Capital Cities, even though they are rock based, you I would have thought that it would have been a good bet to bet on because I thought that um, one one second more, one minute more, whatever the song was called, was going to be a big hit. It wasn't. Safe and Sound ended up uh, coming on the decline as we had announced the lineup. As we announced the artist, I thought it was a great selection at the time and. Uh, um, looking back at it, it was just a, those two things that didn't pan out as I expected. But now with pop artists, it really is risky. And also on top of that, pop music is really volatile in terms of what artists become big or uh, when artists become big or what's, when songs become big and whether the artist can get a second hit. And I mean, you could say, that, I mean, you could definitely like look at certain uh, genres and say, well, this genre is big at this time. Maybe this artist will become big. But even there, it isn't necessarily. It's far from a slam dunk. So that's why, unless, unless you're like a major school that, um, that has a lot of money to spend on an established pop artist, I would say, um, it's risky for that one, um, unless you find someone that feels really safe. Um, so for EDM music, EDM is an interesting one, um, because EDM is really popular. You can absolutely, I mean, you could always say, oh yeah, you could get, uh, like there were always people who would say, oh yeah, why don't you get like, just get like a small, a small name, D a few small name, nobody DJs and have people come and party. The thing with that is that if you're doing it as your concert, you do still have to sit advertise it be like, well, look, we got, it's nice to be able to advertise and say, look, we got this artist, for instance. Whereas, um, like with the EDM, if you get like a bunch of small DJs, it doesn't really work that way. Now, in the biggest thing that people don't, often don't think about with uh, EDM music is that the production cost of those shows is a lot more than for other ones. Uh, just because of like all the technology, all the effects that go on in an EDM concert, an electronic concert, especially with EDM music, because a lot of the music is pre-recorded, um, and, and I'm not sharing like any industry, industry secrets or anything like that. Avicii said in an interview that for his music, when he would perform, um, all his music was pre-recorded. The buttons that he would be playing with were often volume settings, <laughs> and I mean, really, I mean, 
due to the combination of tech issues and uh, the fact that um, you have one person with two hands when they had did all these things in their computer and now you have to it's easier said than done to push to like to have all, all those things going off at the same time so um it all makes sense in that regard but still the, the price of, of uh, electronic concerts are do tend to be expensive but at the same time i mean a lot of, also something with that is that a lot of the big name artists um I mean, they do tend to cost a lot more, especially ones that aren't based in the U.S. Um, but still, there are a lot of them where there you can find electronic artists who would who would perform at like at like an arena kind of show at a for a school. Um, like I remember um, my senior year, unfortunately, I couldn't go to this show uh, because I I was. Of all things, I was presenting at a math conference the next day and but hadn't finished the presentation yet. Um, but at my senior year, Quinnipiac uh, had booked Tiesto, um, which I was shocked that they were able to book him. But I mean, at that point, like, I mean, you, uh, a lot of DJs, I mean, with college age students, yeah, it's, I mean, with there are a lot of DJs who will be like, yeah, I'll do it. Um, and Tiesto, in that case, was one of those ones. Um, who was willing to do that. Um, uh, uh, admittedly, at that point, our uh, budget had risen significantly since uh, since university had, uh, since the school had booked uh, <laughs> um, uh, Capital Cities three years prior. But, uh, but still, um, I mean, you can definitely get that. The one thing to keep in mind with that is, I think it's a big hit for students, just the big thing to keep in mind is that if you do want a name that people know, it will cost a lot, um, and uh, also the production costs you do have to account for um, additional money in that compared to other shows. Now that leaves two genres, and um, I guess actually before that, I'll say R and B quickly um, as a whole. Um, R and B is interesting because there. Um, Unless it's like R&B artists that are more tied in with rap music, then I would say maybe not for college, because the ones that probably people would go to are probably so massive that um, it would that either they're not performing at colleges or the cost most colleges couldn't perform at them or couldn't afford them rather. Um, so, but I'm gonna skip that one as a whole. But uh, um, otherwise. But for country music, I think that one really is, I've mentioned before that I thought it was a brilliant decision to book a country artist in order to, uh, for the fall show. I thought that was, a, for a couple of reasons. First off, uh, for country, for college age students, country music is a really popular genre. And uh, also, I mean, because it was like, I think it was early September when it was held. So... I mean, it was still warm, nice out, still summer enough weather, so they did like an outdoor kind of thing. It felt like, it did feel like a mini festival, so I thought it was a brilliant move there. Um, and I think that, as a whole, I think that, as, you, that if you're doing it as like a fall, early fall show or a late spring show, a country artist does make a lot of sense, and uh, in terms of weather-wise, and I mean, really, that's like the summer is really when country music is at its peak for touring. So I think overall that would make a lot of sense to book it in that those regards. Um, and for college students, uh, I think that one is one of the ones to absolutely consider. And now that leaves us with rap slash hip hop music. I would say that as a whole, rap music is the way to go for colleges. That's... I, I think after Capital Cities, I, it, I really got into my mind that uh, look, I, I wasn't that involved with the shows after that. I got into my head, look, rap music is, is the way to go with that, um, for a couple reasons. First off, it really is a popular, uh, genre of music, of for, uh, for college students, and second off. At the time that I was in college, still, um, because it wasn't necessarily like if you're a popular hip hop artist, you're gonna have 
hit after hit after hit on the Billboard one, on like the top 100, for instance. Like um, at that time, like uh, like when I was in college, for instance, um, like Kendrick Lamar wasn't a slam dunk that every song he was going to make would be a massive hit, or um, like Chance the Rapper didn't have a ton of uh, a ton of massive hits on the Billboard charts at the time. Now, so, so as a result, the press of hip hop artists was typically less than those of, uh, than those of like pop artists for uh, with a uh, similar status level. Um, now, since then, I really think that since then, uh, hip hop music has become a bigger part of pop, of popping, of pop music in pop culture. I guess, um, and I know. You might say, but it was always popular. But in terms of like the Billboard chart, I think that the time that I would say was the time where I'm like, yeah, it's like hip hop music is a lot of hip hop music is pop music now, um, and like a lot of pop music is hip hop music more so. Um, was in 2018, I think it was when every number one hit either was a hip hop song by a hip hop artist or featured a hip hop artist on it. Since then, I have like checked on the site that we use. Since then, a lot of hip hop artist prices for like um, pop some like popular names with like a couple hits, um, those prices have risen since then and have often been in line with pop artists. That said, still, a lot of hip hop artists do enjoy performing for younger audiences, and, and as in college colleges. So I think that even still, rap music is, in a lot of cases, the way to go that for college I would say rap and country were probably the two that I would say to consider first um, before any others honestly and now uh, I do want to also discuss for a little bit uh, we're getting close to the end of the episode but I did also want to discuss for a little bit who you should who like what for a fest music festival who I would uh, be booking as a whole like what genres and that depends on, uh, well, I mean, of course it depends on, like, for, if you're a festival that focuses on, that historically has focused on a certain genre, then I would say definitely incorporate that genre, even if it's a festival like Bonnaroo, which historically was a jam festival, now at this point really isn't a jam festival, still, I would say book one big name jam artist, still, um, like, you know, typically they have one headliner who's a jam artist, this past year they didn't, but they still, but they had Billy Strings, uh, as one of the bigger names, um, I would say in that case, like, for instance, do that, um, but in terms of, let's say, like, a Coachella or Lollapalooza or some festival like that, that's a general multi-genre kind of festival. It depends on the number of dates you have, but what I will say, definitive, for headliners, definitively one rock headliner, definitively one rap headliner, I would say, and more than likely one pop headliner, but if you have multiple, like, if you have, like, more than that, I would say, even still, or in general also, for bigger names, definitely one electronic artist has a bigger name. Absolutely. Um, and I would say, actually, multiple electronic artists as, as like, in the top, like, maybe even... Oh, maybe even one per day in the top four or five, definitely if not the top three, uh, for a day. Um, and then also, like, I would say that, um, uh, that definitely consider Latin music for one of the bigger ones. Um, I would say right now also look into considering K-pop, although at the same time, because uh, a lot of really popular K-pop groups haven't really boatload of music to fill up a really long set so even if you have like one that is uh, a sizable name but would be performing like not an insanely long set then I would say still you could consider them for that um, a lot of these festivals don't typically don't have a country artist as a headliner which I do find interesting for that I don't know if there's a particular reason why for that um, I would say still though I mean I would still consider trying to book a country artist for like uh um as like uh maybe like the third the second or third 
definitely third or fourth biggest name on a day. I'll at least look into one for certain festivals. Um, and then, I mean, depending on the festival, I know some, uh, I've always been torn about uh, booking like uh, non-musical artists at certain festival. I know, for instance, Warfare had tried to uh, do their comedy tent at one point, and uh, if I remember right, I don't think it was back the next year. But, I mean, at the same time, I mean, if with, if like within, like, for instance, if you're doing like, uh, if it's, uh, let's say, um, a hip hop festival and you book like a one well known, uh, like, radio DJ or hip hop talk show kind of host, podcast host kind of thing, then, uh, that's a little bit different. Uh, same thing with like, uh, for like something with like Coachella, I would. I would honestly consider even like booking a booking like a podcast to do a live recording kind of thing, um, especially if it's one that is popular with that target audience. So I think that in general, for a lot of these festivals, you do kind of want to do a variety of genres. Um, but at the top, I would say like definitely one rock artist, definitely one rap artist, definitely one pop artist if possible. Although you could sub out certain artists with pop artists. Um, that would be my general mindset. I know, like, Coachella didn't do that this year, like, uh, unless you consider Billie Eilish Rock. Um, that, uh, and then I would say still, at least one big electronic artist. Um, and then, besides that, for other acts, like, uh, for filling out the smaller acts, I would say, like, the thing that, uh, there's a lot of festivals that will try to do this, Two historically that I think have done very well with this are Coachella and Warp Tour, which is finding an artist who's releasing an album and would be touring for that album. And then uh, a lot of times what I have, what Coachella's done in particular, is once an artist has a song that does become a little bit popular, then they will often book that artist and uh, at a smaller rate, and then when the song explodes, then they can when they announce the lineup, then you could say, hey, we got this, uh, we have this artist on the lineup, and it's a big deal. And a lot of times you can, for the festival, they can get them at a lower rate than they would have had they waited, like, even a month. So I think that with the, if you're doing a festival, you do really want to keep up with those kind of trends for the smaller ones. Um, and also the biggest one that, and for these, I'm also going to discuss this a little bit more with my thought process when I, um, as the remainder for the fictional festival series come out. Um, if you book a bigger name, book their opener also. Like, um, a lot of festivals will do that. Um, like, some examples. Uh, I know um, with, uh, um, with, like, some of the Hard Rock Metal festivals, there were shows where, like, um, I know in particular with... Uh, 2020 got canceled, but 2020 epicenter. They were gonna have disturbed and stained performing on the same day because they were doing a, they were doing a tour together, or like that same year they booked Deftones. They also booked Gojira because Gojira was one of the openers. So that's something that I know with the fictional festival series I've been doing for a lot of acts. Uh, I would say like this act is an opening for this act. Yes, I'll get the or act A is opening for act B. I'll get Act A as well, since I've already booked Act B. I've been doing that a lot with diff uh, with that, and I think that really is a smart idea in terms of festivals. And, of course, um, and I know all the time you do have like people being like, why didn't you get this act, or why didn't you get this act? I think for those listening in general that aren't really interested in actually booking the act, but more just like, we're hoping that, it may even for once I would say, uh, that we're hoping that I would say, Try to book this act, or try to book this act. Um, the reason that I... The biggest reason I didn't want to do that for a specific act, in addition to, like, the cost and putting like, particular schools in a bad place, like, I don't care about companies. Companies... With the companies, like, with these festivals, um, you may say, well, well, what about, like, I mean, how can a school book this act, whereas... Or can't book this act, whereas a company can't... Companies, it's... For the booking companies, it's really... It's, insane business and a bit slimy at points even um and the money that goes around is bonkers um 
But the but the biggest reason that I didn't want to do this, or didn't want to say specific artist, is because ultimately, in order to book the artist, the artist has to sign on. So I could say like, well, you could try booking this artist, but the artist isn't interested in touring right now, then you can't book them. Um, like for instance, uh, um, like I mean, if I had said, oh yeah, Faith No More would be a good act for uh music festivals to book. Well, they haven't been touring ever, uh, um, they haven't been touring since they, uh, had canceled their tour last year due to, uh, mental health issues. So, I mean, you could, I could say, yeah, they're a great act to book as, like, maybe the second or third biggest name on a day. But, that's nice. Except for the fact that you're not booking them right now, because they're not, they're not looking for dates. So, that's the biggest thing, ultimately, is that with all these, um, is that you keep all this in mind, but ultimately, sometimes, like, what we, what I, especially what I found out in, um, that show we booked Capital City, so ultimately, the most important thing is just getting that act to say yes. So that's it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. I really find that topic really interesting, and I'd always wanted to talk about that in an episode, and thought that this was a good time as any to do it. I hope you all found that as interesting as I did. I think especially like from the college standpoint, since I actually had involvement, have experience in terms of uh, organizing a show in that regard and promoting the show in particular, I think I thought it was really cool to that I could be able to share some of that <laughs> um, and have that unique standpoint that, um, I mean, had I not done that, I wouldn't have had that kind of knowledge with anything with the industry. So thank you so much for listening. Um, be sure to like the Facebook page for uh, Facebook pages, I guess, actually, for Grouping Harmony and Is Baller Trademarked Yet. Also be sure to check out the blogs for Is Baller Trademarked Yet and Failing Groupie. Posts are coming out for both soon. Be on the lookout for those. And I'll talk to you soon. Bye.